Section 19 of the Promulgation of Universal Peace, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicholas James Bridgewater. The Promulgation of Universal Peace, Volume 1 by Abdul Baha Abbas. Section 18. 7. May 2nd, 1912. At Hotel La Salle, Chicago, Illinois. Baha'i Women's Reception. Notes by Joseph H. Hannon. When we look upon the kingdoms of creation below man, we find three forms or planes of existence which await education and development. For instance, the function of a gardener is to till the soil of the mineral kingdom and plant a tree which under his training and cultivation will attain perfection of growth. If it be wild and fruitless, it may be made fruitful and prolific by grafting. If small and unsightly, it will become lofty, beautiful and verdant under the gardener's training whereas a tree bereft of his cultivation retrogresses daily its fruit grows acrid and bitter as the trees of the jungle or it may become entirely barren and bereft of its fruitage likewise we observe that animals which have undergone training in their sphere of limitation will progress and advance unmistakably become more beautiful in appearance an increase in intelligence for instance how intelligent and knowing the arabic horse has become through training even how polite this horse has become through education as to the human world it is more in need of guidance and education than the lower creatures reflect upon the vast difference between the inhabitants of africa and those of america here the people have been civilized and uplifted. There they are in the utmost and abject state of savagery. What is the cause of their savagery and the reason of your civilization? It is evident that this difference is due to education and the lack of education. Consider then the effectiveness of education in the human kingdom. It makes the ignorant wise the tyrant merciful, the blind seeing, the deaf attentive, even the imbecile intelligent. How vast this difference! How wide the chasm which separates the educated man from the man who lacks teaching and training. This is the effect when the teacher is merely an ordinary teacher. But praise be to God! Your teacher and instructor is Baha'u'llah. He is the educator of the Orient and Occident. He is the teacher of the very world of divinity and spirituality, the Son of Truth, the Word of God. The lights of his education are radiating even as the sun see what it has accomplished how it is developing all humanity so that i a persian 
have come to this meeting of revered souls upon the american continent and am standing here expounding to you in the greatest love this is through the training of baha'u'llah which can unite and has united these hearts in this way it has enlightened the world even so it has breathed the spirit of god into men even so it has resuscitated the hearts of men therefore praise be to god that you have been brought under the education of this one who is the very sun of reality and who is shining resplendently upon all humankind endowing all with a life that is everlasting praise be to god a thousand times eight may second nineteen twelve at hotel plaza chicago illinois notes by marzia moss this morning the city is enveloped in fog and mist how beautiful is a city brilliant with sunshine just as these mists and vapors conceal the phenomenal sun so human imaginations obscure the sun of truth consider the radiant glory of the great solar center of our planetary system how wonderful the sight how its splendor illumines vision until clouds and mists veil it from the eye in the same way the sun of truth becomes veiled and hidden by the superstitions and imaginations of human minds when the sun rises no matter from what dawning point on the horizon it appears northeast east southeast the haze and mists disperse and we have clear vision of its glory mounting to the zenith similarly the nations have been directed to the dawning points of the sun of reality each to a particular rising place from which the light of religion has become manifest but after a time the dawning point has become the object of worship instead of the sun itself which is ever one sun and stationary in the heavens of the divine will differences have arisen because of this causing clouds and darkness to again overshadow the glorious luminary of reality when the mists and darkness of superstition and prejudice are dispersed all will see the sun aright and alike then will all nations become as one in its radiance inasmuch as these clouds and human vapors of superstition hide the light of the spiritual sun we must put forth our utmost endeavor to dispel them may we unite in this and be enlightened to accomplish it for the sun is one and its radiance and bounty universal all the inhabitants of earth are recipients of the bounty of the one phenomenal sun and none are preferred above others so likewise all receive the heavenly bestowals of the word of god none are specialized as favorites all are under its protection and universal effulgence human strife 
and religious disagreement complex and disfigure the simple purity and beauty of the divine cause until clouds obscure the light of reality and disunion results therefore make use of intelligence and reason so that you may dispel these dense clouds from the horizon of human hearts and all hold to the one reality of all the prophets it is most certain that if human souls exercise their respective reason and intelligence upon the divine questions the power of god will dispel every difficulty and the eternal realities will appear as one light one truth one love one god and a peace that is universal nine may second nineteen twelve at hotel plaza chicago illinois notes by henrietta c wagner when we carefully investigate the kingdoms of existence and observe the phenomena of the universe about us we discover the absolute order and perfection of creation the dull minerals in their affinities plants and vegetables with power of growth animals in their instinct man with conscious intellect and the heavenly orbs moving obediently through limitless space are all found subject to universal law most complete most perfect that is why a wise philosopher has said quote, there is no greater or more perfect system of creation than that which already exists End quote. the materialists and atheists declare that this order and symmetry is due to nature and its forces that composition and decomposition which constitute life and existence are exigencies of nature that man himself is an exigency of nature that nature rules and governs creation and that all existing things are captives of nature let us consider these statements inasmuch as we find all phenomena subject to an exact order and under control of universal law the question is whether this is due to nature or to divine and omnipotent rule the materialists believe that it is an exigency of nature for the rain to fall and unless rain fell the earth would not become verdant they reason that if clouds cause a downpour if the sun sends forth heat and light and the earth be endowed with capacity vegetation must inevitably follow therefore plant life is a property of these natural forces and is a sign of nature just as combustion is the natural property of fire therefore fire burns and we cannot conceive of fire without its burning in reply to these statements we say that from the premises advanced by materialists the conclusions are drawn that nature is the ruler and governor of existence and that all virtues and perfections are natural exigencies and outcomes furthermore it follows that man is but a part or member of that whereof nature is the whole man possesses certain virtues of which nature is deprived he exercises volition nature is without will for instance 
an exigency of the sun is the giving of light it is controlled it cannot do otherwise than radiate light but it is not volitional an exigency of the phenomenon of electricity is that it is revealed in sparks and flashes under certain conditions but it cannot voluntarily furnish illumination an exigency or property of water is humidity it cannot separate itself from this property by its own will likewise all the properties of nature are inherent and obedient not volitional therefore it is philosophically predicated that nature is minus volition and innate perception in this statement and principle we agree with the materialists but the question which presents food for reflection is this how is it that man who is a part of the universal plan is possessed of certain qualities whereof nature is devoid is it conceivable that a drop should be imbued with qualities of which the ocean is completely deprived the drop is a part the ocean is the whole could there be a phenomenon of combustion or illumination which the great luminary the sun itself did not manifest is it possible for a stone to possess inherent properties of which the aggregate mineral kingdom is minus for example could the fingernail which is a part of human anatomy be endowed with cellular properties of which the brain is deprived man is intelligent instinctively and consciously intelligent nature is not man is fortified with memory nature does not possess it man is the discoverer of the mysteries of nature nature is not conscious of those mysteries herself it is evident therefore that man is dual in aspect as an animal he is subject to nature but in his spiritual or conscious being he transcends the world of material existence his spiritual powers being nobler and higher possess virtues of which nature intrinsically has no evidence therefore they triumph over natural conditions these ideal virtues or powers in man surpass or surround nature comprehend natural laws and phenomena penetrate the mysteries of the unknown and invisible and bring them forth into the realm of the known and visible all the existing arts and sciences were once hidden secrets of nature by his command and control of nature man took them out of the plane of the invisible and revealed them in the plane of visibility whereas according to the exigencies of nature these secrets should have remained latent and concealed according to the exigencies of nature electricity should be a hidden mysterious power but the penetrating intellect of man has discovered it taken it out of the realm of mystery and made it an obedient human servant in his physical body and its functions man is a captive of nature for instance he cannot continue his existence without sleep an exigency of nature he must partake of food and drink which nature demands and requires but in his spiritual being and intelligence man dominates and controls nature the ruler of his physical being notwithstanding this 
contrary opinions and materialistic views are set forth which would relegate man completely to the physical subservience to nature's laws this is equivalent to saying that the comparative degree exceeds the superlative that the imperfect includes the perfect that the pupil surpasses the teacher all of which is illogical and impossible when it is clearly manifest and evident that the intelligence of man his constructive faculty his power of penetration and discovery transcend nature how can we say he is nature's thrall and captive this would indicate that man is deprived of the bounties of god that he is retrograding toward the station of the animal that his keen superintelligence is without function and that he estimates himself as an animal without distinction between his own and the animal's kingdom i was once conversing with a famous philosopher of the materialistic school in alexandria he was strongly opinionated upon the point that man and the other kingdoms of existence are under the control of nature and that after all man is only a social animal often very much of an animal when he was discomfited in argument he said impetuously quote, i see no difference between myself and the donkey and i am not willing to admit distinctions which i cannot perceive end quote. abdul baha replied quote, no i consider you quite different and distinct i call you a man and the donkey but an animal i perceive that you are highly intelligent whereas the donkey is not i know you are well versed in philosophy and i also know that the donkey is entirely deficient in it therefore i am not willing to accept your statement consider the lady beside me who is writing in this little book it seems a very trifling ordinary matter but upon intelligent reflection you will conclude that what has been written presupposes and proves the existence of a writer these words have not written themselves and these letters have not come together of their own volition it is evident there must be a writer and now consider this infinite universe is it possible that it could have been created without a creator or that the creator and cause of this infinite congeries of worlds should be minus intelligence is the idea that the creator has no comprehension of what is manifested in creation tenable man the creature has volition and certain virtues is it possible that his creator is deprived of these a child could not accept this belief and statement it is perfectly evident that man did not create himself and that he cannot do so how could man of his own weakness create such a mighty being therefore the creator of man must be more perfect and powerful than man if the creative cause of man be simply on the same level with man then man himself should be able to create whereas we know very well that we cannot create even our own likeness therefore the creator of man must be endowed with superlative intelligence and power in all points that creation involves and implies we are weak he is mighty because were he not mighty he could not have created us we are ignorant he is wise we are poor he is rich 
otherwise he would have been incapable of our creation among the proofs of the existence of a divine power is this that things are often known by their opposites were it not for darkness light could not be sensed were it not for death life could not be known if ignorance did not exist knowledge would not be a reality it is necessary that each should exist in order that the other should have reality night and day must be in order that each may be distinguished night itself is an indication and evidence of day which follows and day itself indicates the coming night unless night was a reality there could not be day were it not for death there could be no life things are known by their opposites therefore our weakness is an evidence that there is might our ignorance proves the reality of knowledge our need is an indication of supply and wealth were it not for wealth this need would not exist were it not for knowledge ignorance would be unknown were it not for power there would be no impotence in other words demand and supply is the law and undoubtedly all virtues have a center and source that source is god from whom all these bounties emanate end of section 18 recording by nicholas james bridgewater recorded in oxford england